We're going to be in Acts, the book of Acts. We're going to uh, turn the corner. We're going to change the gears or continue on. We were uh, in pursuit of wisdom through the Proverbs, but now that we have uh, come upon our time of revival in the end of October or middle of October, I want to kind of do some things in the book of Acts that will help us prepare our hearts for what the Lord would have for us during our revival, okay? So Acts chapter 2 this morning as we talk about the Holy Spirit. I hope hope that's a good topic for y'all. I hope everybody enjoys discussing the things of the Holy Spirit, and uh, I hope that you are close with uh, the Holy Spirit. I expect that you should e- at least know about the Holy Spirit if you're a believer, right? If you don't, um, we need to ha- we need to talk. Okay, <laughs> it's okay if you don't. We just need to talk. You might know something when we're finished. Uh, this hopefully is reviews what I'm saying for some of the believers. Uh, some reminders for us all. While you're looking for Acts chapter 2, hopefully it's not hard to find, I want to tell you this little, little illustration. Uh, a father and son arrived in a small western town looking for an uncle whom they had never seen. Suddenly the father, pointing across the square to a man who was walking away from them, exclaimed, There goes my uncle. His son asked, How do you know when you have not seen him before? Son, son, I know him because he walks exactly like my father. This is, if we're walking by the Spirit of God, if we have the Spirit of the Lord living in us as believers, we should walk like our Father. And people should recognize us because they recognize our Father and the way that he walks. It seems odd to say things that way. Um, I know that I have been accused of uh, doing certain things like my father does over the years, and I'm pretty sure that my son was guilty of the same thing from time to time. All of the bad things I didn't take credit for, but, you know, (laughs) he tried to blame them on me anyway. (laughs) I want want to read just the first part of chapter 2 this morning, not the whole thing. We'll get into that in another time. But I want to talk about what happened when the 120 or so, I think it was about 120 disciples gathered in a room and just sat and waited in prayer. Have you ever done that before? You ever sat and waited in prayer? It's difficult in our time today, isn't it, to sit and wait? We don't live in a world that says sit and wait. The reason I know that is because I don't know how many people run a red light when they're trying to go through a yellow light. Because they don't want to wait. Or they cross the street and almost get hit because they don't want to wait. We decide to eat somewhere else because we don't want to wait. I can go on and on with the don't want to wait examples, couldn't I? You guys have your own list. We don't want to wait. We don't like to wait. The problem is, waiting sometimes brings the most valuable things into your life. 
And if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to be believers, if we're going to honor God and make disciples and be who God uh, called us to be and who Jesus died for us to be, we have to wait for what we need. So let me read here at what happened in the first verse of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that uh, separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. First four verses of chapter 2. This is after uh, Jesus was crucified. This is after Jesus spent time in the, in, in, in the, on the earth uh, after his resurrection talking to many people and after he had gone on uh, to be with the Father and they were given instructions to wait. So they're waiting. And while they're waiting, this wonderful, amazing, unexpected, should have been expected thing happened to them. You notice when the, when, the, when the scripture tells us what to expect, we get surprised when it happens. I'm, I'm guilty as anybody else, right? It's like, ooh, the Lord answered my prayer. Okay, well, he said he was going to answer your prayer. He said he would be faithful to you. You seek his will. The Spirit of God came on these believers as was promised. As was promised. I want you to look at John chapter 14. You might not be able to read it on the screen, but you can turn, turn to it in your Bibles because we're going to read a little bit of it. This is Gospel of John, Jesus teaching before he was crucified. Jesus teaching about the Spirit of God. Right? Verse 15 of chapter 14 in the Gospel of John. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you. Right? Go on to verse, all the way to verse 21. He says, he'll be with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. Verse 20, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And finally, in verse 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I, too, will love him and show myself to him. That's some amazing teachings from our Savior. And when Jesus speaks, you can take it as a guarantee. The problem is, is are we understanding what he's saying? Because you don't just take it before you understand it. Right? Don't just take a surface-level understanding of what Jesus is trying to say. Okay, Jesus said everyone will have the Spirit of God. Well, that's not what he said. 
And not everyone received the Spirit of God in Acts chapter 2 that we just read. Only the ones who followed him, the ones who loved him, the ones who obeyed him. Right? Because remember, right in the beginning of what he taught in, in this uh, chapter 14 of the Gospel of John, he says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And here's these people in Acts chapter 2. He says, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything until the Spirit of the Lord comes on you. So they waited because they love Jesus, because they're following, they're following his instructions. There's always a string attached, isn't there? Like, you mean i got to do something? I can't have the Spirit of God for nothing? I can't have salvation just because I want it? Well, according to the gospel, no. You have to love Jesus. You have to accept Jesus for who he is. You, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, then you can be saved. Right? You can't just be saved because you think you should be saved. Part of the reason you need salvation is because you think you should be. None of us deserve it. None of us should be in the presence of God, right? It's only by his grace and his love that we even have access to him through Jesus, our Savior. The greatest, the greatest news I've read in this Bible, aside from my forgiveness and the, the, the promise to be in eternity forever with God, is the fact that I'm going into the world to make disciples and I'm not alone. I have everything I need. I have the one who makes it happen living in me as a believer. You don't believe me? Read Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. We're going to skip to verse 38 for just a moment. All, Peter gets up here in a little bit, and he preaches the gospel for the first time, powered by the Holy Spirit. He gets up and says, hey, let me tell you why this is all happening, and he preaches the gospel, and people are convicted, and they say, what can we do about this? And his answer is found in verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is how you and I and everyone else in this world has an opportunity to receive this precious, special gift that Jesus promised in chapter 14 of the Gospel of John. There's a lot of things to be happy about, y'all, as we're reading this. We're, we're, listen, we're looking at our Savior's teaching, which promises us the gift of the Holy Spirit living in us, on top of the promise that we get to be in the presence of God for eternity. We got two amens out of that, y'all. Come on. We're talking, about, we're talking about the greatest thing ever. It's hard. It's hard, isn't it, to live in this world? From, from time to time. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes we're on easy street. Sometimes the Lord gives us relief from stress and persecution and, 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 and hardship. And sometimes even the Lord gives us relief from our own consequences of our own decisions. Praise the Lord, y'all. And sometimes things are just easy. There's no worries. It comes and goes. But y'all, living the Christian life and making disciples and and, and honoring God and, 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 and growing spiritually is hard work. But it's impossible without the Spirit of God in your heart. God doesn't set us up to fail. That's, that's, what I, that's what I love so much about our Lord. He has never one time set anybody up for failure. 
In fact, he's done just the opposite. He's done everything there is to do for all of us to be successful in being what he created us to be and what he wants us to be. That's what Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. So here they are. They come into verse, uh, uh, verses 1 through 4. It says they, they saw, look, they were praying, they were talking to God, they were waiting in the place that, that they were waiting. And this, this, this sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Sometimes I sit back and I just wonder, I'm like, I wonder what that must have been like. Because that's not the way it happened for us, is it? When we were saved, when we confessed Christ and we repented, and we, because we believe, because we accept Christ, because we're, uh, our faith, we we're, we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, and we believe that we received the gift of the Holy Spirit, our life should be changing from that moment on. Something special happened for you in that moment if you're saved. But not this. It didn't happen like this, did it? I didn't hear this kind of wind. I didn't hear this kind of a, a, a feeling of the whole place. I didn't feel that. I didn't see anything like tongues of fire that separated and set on the, the, the heads of the believers around me. I didn't see anything like that. But I believe I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I was surrounded by folks who were believers who were also filled with the Holy Spirit according to Jesus' promise that, that would, that's what would happen. So what is this about then? Why doesn't it look like this in today's time? I want to suggest to you that this happened because there was a reason, there was a purpose in this, in this moment for the sake of starting the church. So let's read in verse 5 through 12, and let's see if we can gather some more information. There's 5 through 8 says, now, verse 5, Now there were, staying, there, were, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation. Note that, every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Some supernatural stuff going on here. Verse 7 says, utterly amazed. Think of the last time you were utterly amazed. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Now, the, the best way I can explain this particular verse to y'all is when we lived in eastern North Carolina, if you've ever been to eastern North Carolina, there is a certain part of eastern North Carolina where they, you could, they have a different uh, dialect or accent. And it is extremely obvious, kind of neat actually. The way the words that they use and how they pronounce things is you, you just know that that's where they're from. That was the same situation with the Galileans. When you showed up at this gathering uh, of all the nations were there for the Passover feast and, and the Pentecost, they were there, and the Galileans show up and start talking, everybody say, yeah, they're, 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 they're Galileans over there, them people. They're just simple people, and they're from a certain area, and they talk a certain way. Verse 8 says, then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? These people who are talking are talking, and people who from all around the world are hearing what they're saying, even though they all speak different languages. Then it goes on in verse 9. Let me catch you up. Verse 9 talks about who's there. The, per the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, 
residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, uh, uh, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome were there. Verse 11, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, that would be the, uh, the, uh, the proselytes. And then he says, we hear them declaring, look what it says right here. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now, now if we're not careful, we're going to come to a conclusion or an assumption that everybody started preaching the gospel. And everybody heard it in their own tongue because of the Holy Spirit. But that's not what it says. It says they were, they, they were declaring the wonders of God. They were literally, because of the filling of the Holy Spirit, they were praising God together. And talking about how great He is and how wonderful He is and how faithful He is because this is the fulfillment of the promise from chapter 14 of, of John. And everyone around them was noticing them. Because they're not supposed to understand them, but they do. Now, people have different interpretations of what's happening here. Some believe that they were able to speak different languages so that everyone could understand them. And others believe, and this is where I tend to fall in line with, is they were talking and supernaturally God allowed everyone else to hear them in their own language. They weren't, I don't believe they were speaking every language. I just think that people supernaturally were hearing and understanding in their language. It was a supernatural situation, and they were, they were astounded by this. The people were utterly amazed. They're like, whoa, we shouldn't be understanding these guys, these people. What's going on here? When, some, when, when the Lord does something crazy in your life, because we, can't, because we can't understand it or wrap our mind around it, we have to find some, something, some way to explain it. And oftentimes when we don't have any answers, we try to put it off as something's wrong with something else. Well, it must not be true because it wouldn't be that way. And the last thing we do is accept it for what God's doing, even if we don't understand it. That's what some of these were doing. Verse 12 says, amazed and perplexed, they they asked one another, what does this mean? Y'all, that's what we're trying to do as believers, as disciple makers. We're trying to get the world to stop and say, what does this mean? By the way that we're living, by the way that we're praising God, by the way that we're serving God, by the way that we're growing as Christians, by the way the Spirit of God is having His way in our life, people should see something that causes them to say, wait a minute, what's going on here? I need to understand this, I want to know about this. This is all what God is doing supernaturally in the hearts and the minds of these believers because they were faithful in waiting for the Spirit of God so that they could set the scene so Peter could finally stand up and preach the gospel. Right? I could preach the gospel till I'm blue in the face, but if nobody cares about what the gospel is, it's not going to matter. It's not until somebody's seeking the truth, seeking the answer. What does this mean? And I mean in a genuine way. 
And most of the time, people are not going to investigate God in a genuine way until they see some evidence somewhere that God is actually real. Now, you and I know, if we're believers, we know we can just look around and see creation and see that God is real. We, can, we have plenty of our own personal testimony about God and His faithfulness and His healing and His encouragement and His correction and so on that God is real. You wouldn't be sitting here today if you didn't believe that God is real. Right? Now, maybe, maybe in some church somewhere, somebody's sitting there because they think that they have to go to church so they can earn their way into heaven, and that's a false understanding, and you should change the way that you are approaching your relationship with God. I know that doesn't happen in this church because y'all are close to the Lord, and I believe you study your word and you know the Lord, right? But it happens. So he says, what does this mean? The purpose of this happening the way it happened in this moment was One, it was the initial indwelling of the Holy Spirit for the believers. Two, it was for the purpose of getting the attention of the people all around the world. Look, God doesn't need the internet to get the gospel around the world. It says there were people from every nation in this place. So, God, because He's God, He makes it happen to where every person in every nation could hear the gospel or at least hear the praisings of God so that they could be set up to hear the gospel. Which is why when, when Paul, excuse me, when Peter later finishes preaching the gospel, it says many people, thousands were cut to the heart. Thousands of people were convicted about the truth and said, what can we do about this problem now? They weren't denying the truth. They weren't saying, well, let's think about that. Or they weren't looking at Peter and saying, ah, you're, you're, you're crazy. Because look what they said in verse 13 about these who were praising God filled with the Holy Spirit. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine or drunk. Ah, they're full of it. There's something wrong with them. If, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, somebody in your life will look at you this way. We talked about that in Sunday school. Somebody will look at you and say, there's something wrong with that person. Not everybody, but some. If you read on it, you can see where Peter stood up and said, he's like, it's like 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> who's drunk at night? Who's, who's drunk this early in the morning? Come on. You got to come up with something better than that. Too early to be drunk. <coughs> there's people from everywhere, and it got their attention, what? So they can hear the gospel. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives, y'all. The Holy Spirit is here to help us make disciples. In fact, the Spirit of God is there to make disciples. We're here to help Him. Hello? We're here to serve the Spirit of God living in us. So that's what happened, and that's why it happened. But I want you to know it continues to happen today. As we read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, It says, if you believe, you'll repent and you'll confess Christ and you'll be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. It's all that simple. So that you can receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, this didn't happen when I got saved, when I was baptized into Christ. My sins were forgiven. I didn't have the blowing of this holy wind and the presence of the Spirit of God filling the room and everybody was amazed and in awe. 
what happened was the, the church started singing a song and everybody started praising God. From that moment on, my life has been changing every day. From that moment on, I've been feeling the presence of the Lord more and more every day. Sometimes I'm away and sometimes I'm close. Hopefully I'm more close than away. But the Spirit of God has never left me since that day. There's no way that we can do what God's called us to do without the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. And if we're going to be one of those churches, and I don't think that we are, but I, don't, I think that we need to be sure, but we need, we, if we're going to be one of those churches that neglect the Holy Spirit for fear of being called Pentecostal, or some other word that we don't like, then we will be failing to surrender to what Jesus promised us. And we almost, probably, most likely would be in sin eventually, thinking that we're going to do the work of the Lord in our own strength. This is the value of the Holy Spirit. This is why the Christian life is the easy life. Even though we will be hated because they hate Jesus. Even though it will be, it will be hard because uh, narrow is the road, right? It's a challenge, but it's the easy way because we're not alone. We're not left to our own resources to make it happen. I praise the Lord every day that it doesn't depend on me to get into the presence of God. For me or for anybody else. Right? I praise Him every day. Because I, I started out at the gate failing God. The first opportunity I had to sin, I was the first one on the bus. I was. I was I'm, I'm like anybody else. I was born into a world that's contaminated by sin, and it was presented to me that sin is the way to live, and I decided as, as I became of age to know right and wrong, I decided, yeah, that's what I want to do because that's what everybody else is doing, and it looks like fun. And for years, I convinced myself that God is God and he loves everybody. And it's not important for me to dig in any further than that. The reason was because it interfered with my fun. It interfered with me being on the sin bus. Right? But man, I'm going to let you all know, the moment I heard the gospel and I was al allowing it to be true in my ears and in my mind and in my heart, and I said yes to Jesus, my life has completely turned upside down. And if you're saved today, you should have the same type of testimony. And you should be so excited about that that people are going to get irritated because you won't stop talking about God. Somebody should complain that you talk about God too much. Or you're not doing it right. Not because you're trying hard to talk about God, but because the Spirit of God is swelling up in you and you don't have anything else but to talk about God and Jesus, and the blessings of life. Isn't it hard to make decisions in today's world? I've spent, I've spent more time in the last two years talking to other folks and myself about decision-making than I have any other time in my ministry because there's a lot of hard decisions out there to make, isn't there? The answer always is, what is the Spirit of the Lord leading you to do or not do? 
What is God leading you to do or not do? Are you paying attention to God? You have everything you need. We have the Spirit of God in our lives. Go to John chapter 16 really quickly. You have to look that one up too because it's probably too small on the board. I want to tell you, I'm going to tell you this and then I'll be done. John chapter 16, the Gospel of John, more of Jesus teaching about the work of the working of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verses 8 through 11. Well, let's go back to verse 5. Is that what I got on there? Yeah. Chapter 16, verse 5. Jesus says this, Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for, you, for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8, when he comes, he will convict the, of the, convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. This is, this is he's teaching about... the. The work of the Spirit, what the, what the Spirit of God is there to do in today's world, in our hearts, in our lives. He's saying, I'm going to convict the world through the Holy Spirit. Now you think about what that means, y'all. The Spirit of God who lives in each one of us, is one, part of His purpose is to convict the world. Are y'all ready to go out in the world? <laughs> think about it. Everything about you as a Christian is about convicting the world, presenting the truth. Not that we're out pointing fingers and saying, you sinner, you're going to hell. It's just the presence of holiness convicts the world. Of guilt, because they won't believe. Of righteousness, because God's righteousness stands alone and is infallible and it's holy. And it also convicts the world that God is real and there will be judgment. That we do have to answer to a creator. That's just the existence of the Holy Spirit. Are we, are we, under, are we looking at, are we seeing the blessing that, 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 it, that it is to have this Spirit, this Holy Spirit living in each of us? The same Spirit, not one for you, not one for you. Not, no, the same Spirit in all of us. Wow. What a resource that we have. I don't know how many times we, we fall into the trap that, that uh, Moses fell into when God showed himself at the burning bush. And Moses like, uh, you want me to do what? I'm not going to be able to do that. I can't. No, no. You, you, you got to get somebody else. I can't do that. Let me, let me just say this to each one of y'all, and I'm saying it to myself. When the Lord puts something on you to do, he's doing something that he already knows you can do. Not because you're you, it's because he's he. Is that right? He's him. Is that right? Yeah. Because he's God. It's because the Holy Spirit is already there. He already knows what he can do. He's just seeing if you're willing to let him do it through you. You can't fail. You can't lose when it comes to loving people and loving God. When it comes to presenting the Spirit of God to the world just by simply showing up. All the work is done on our knees and in our, in our Bibles when we're studying. 
and praying together. Spending time with God. Here's the second thing. Look at verse 12 to 16 in chapter 16 of John. The second thing that, that the Holy Spirit does, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. In other words, you can't, wrap your, you can't get your mind wrapped around this truth. So I'm just going to give you a little bit. Verse 13, but when he, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Hello? You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You don't know what decision to make. You don't know how to navigate. The spirit of God will guide you in what's true. If you're paying attention. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. In verse 14, he says, he will, bring you, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take, excuse me, the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. And then finally in verse 16, he says, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. In a little you won't see me because I'm going to ascend to the Father. And then after a little while, you're going to see the Holy Spirit. You're going to see the truth. What comes from the Holy Spirit comes from God. What comes from Jesus comes from the Father. They're all the, it's all the same. We're walking around this planet with all of the authority and power and strength that comes from the kingdom of God. This planet is not indestructible. Excuse me. The planet is destructible. The kingdom of God is not indestructible. It's not destructible. In other words, the kingdom of God lasts forever. Here's the question. Last week I asked you if it was well with your soul. Hallelujah. Is it well with your soul? Meaning, are we satisfied? Are we confident? Do we know that we're saved? Do we know what we've been forgiven of? Do we know that God is God and we are believers and Jesus is the Christ? Are we confident about those things? Today I'm asking you, do you really believe? Are you really a believer? Every time I ask that question in a message, sometimes people sit back and say, why would you ask me something like that? Get offended. And I don't mean to offend. I'm just saying, do you believe? Do I believe? If I believe, it's the whole, it's all of, it's all of Acts chapter 2, verse 38. If I believe, then I have genuinely repented, haven't I? If I believe, then I'm going to confess Christ. I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm not going to be ashamed of Jesus as Lord and Savior. Not by words. The way I live, my life says that Jesus is my Lord. If I believe, then I'm confident that I've been forgiven of my sin. This is where forgiveness of self comes in. Sometimes we believe that God forgives us, but we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. Well, let me just set you free. If God can forgive you, then who are you not to forgive yourself? Because you belong to God, and you have no right to judge God's servant and God's child. I'm saying that because it had to be true for me as well. Because once you start realizing what you've been saved from and what you've been forgiven from, it's tough, isn't it? tough to look at yourself in the mirror and be like wow and you start looking at Jesus on the cross and you're like you're putting all that together and you find yourself at the end of Peter's sermon in chapter 2 saying what do I do what do I do about this because I'm, I'm I put him on the cross and then we rest in the forgiveness of God 
and the mercy and the grace that we don't deserve. And then we don't want to forget the end, do we? The reason I'm asking you, do you believe, is because it says, we'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and it's not a wrong question, but many have come to me and said, how do I know if I have the gift of the Holy Spirit? How do I know when the Spirit is leading me? How do I know when, when the Spirit of God is telling me this or showing me that or convicting me about this? And it's a tough answer because it's different for all of us, isn't it? There's no cut and dry. This is what it looks like. We can't go to the, our, our, our Acts chapter 2, the beginning of Acts chapter 2, and say if the first four verses don't look like what our life looks like, then we must not have the Holy Spirit because it's not going to come that way because there's not people of all nations standing around us right now. As far as I, as far as I know, everybody in this room speaks English. Might not be somebody. I don't know. If you're in another place where they speak a different language, then maybe the Lord will do something to where you can communicate. Right? But that's, that's God's decision. The Spirit of God is there for these two things, to convict, to, to convict the world and to guide in truth. That's what the Spirit of God is there for. That's how we make disciples. We follow His guidance, and we let the Spirit of God have His way in the world. Some people are going to get saved, and some are going to reject the Spirit of God. And if you're trying to live the Christian life without the Spirit of God, then you're, you're going to fail. You're going to be miserable, and you may wake up one day and be one of those people that Jesus said, one day somebody's going to show up in front of me, and I'm going to say, get away from me, because I don't know who you are. Those are the people who think they're saved, and they're not saved. And please don't be that person. A 12-year-old boy was saved at a revival. His friends questioned him about it, and he said, did you see a vision? Another one said, did you hear God speak? The boy answered all of the questions with a simple no. No, no. They were asking all kinds of questions. Well, how did you know if you were saved then? The boy said, it's like when you catch a fish. You can't see the fish. You can't hear the fish, but you can feel it tugging on the line. He said, I just felt something tugging on my heart. Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it depends on how much we're paying attention, right? I've found in my life that the, when the times when the Spirit of God convicts me the most is the, what I notice the most. And I'm like, I hope I'm growing out of this, but when I'm tempted by things in this world, it seems like the Spirit of God has to grab me by the collar and scream into my face because temptation is so great. I hope I'm not by myself in that. But then there's other times when, when the Spirit of God is not really trying to convict me, just trying to get me to be aware of a situation or get me to, 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 to say a certain thing or do a certain thing or pray for a certain person or live a certain way. It's, it's really like a whisper or a subtle, okay, this would probably be the best thing to do. And it really depends on how much am I paying attention? How much am I keeping in step with the Spirit of God in my life? The best, the best advice I can give you as far as paying attention to the Holy Spirit or noticing the Holy Spirit in your life is to get in the Word of God and make it who you are. Keep dumping the Word of God into your mind and in your heart because that's what the Spirit of God will use to guide you. Am I supposed to go and do these things in my life? 
I don't know, what does God say? Many times, if we start eliminating options based on the Word of God, then we come down to maybe one or two things. And sometimes I've even found that God, we get down to that, where what, these one or two things that are not sinful things or things that would actually honor God, I found that God would say, you pick one, as long as you honor me while you're doing it, just do it, and I'll bless it. Sometimes it's not that so specific. Sometimes he's not saying, yes, take this job. Or, 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 or take your kids and put them over here and do these things. Sometimes it's whatever you do, as long as you're doing it for the glory of God, I will bless it. I don't, please don't be these people. I've had, I've had, I don't know how many people come into to, to my office or call me on the phone and say, I got a problem. I'm, I'm thinking about this, this, or this, and I don't know what to do. Well, every one of them are sinful things. I'm like, okay, well, what is God? Let's talk about what God says first. They're confused. They're lost in the dark. They're not trying to be funny, and they're not really bad people. They're just in the dark, and they're not hearing the God, that God is saying no, none of that. They, they've gotten lost in sin somehow. We sing about uh, the old rugged cross this, this morning and how we cling to the old, old rugged cross and how much we need that cross and how much we need that sacrifice and the salvation that comes with it but y'all we're reading right here in the book of acts we're reading about how god started what we know as the church his plan his faithfulness he set us up to win he set us up to be successful after all we represent him why would he set us up to fail? It's the Spirit of God, y'all. And, and I, I would challenge you today, before we leave and have our invitation, ask God to help you recognize his Spirit every day. Ask God every day, say, Lord, I want to know how to follow you. I want to know more about recognizing your Spirit in my life. I want to be able to serve you well. I want to be able to have the power of your Holy Spirit come into my life and come out of my life for the sake of somebody else's soul. So that he will be glorified is the prayer. Not so that I can say to myself, I'm so in touch with the Holy Spirit that I'm awesome. If you, if you think you're going to say that, you're really not in touch with the Holy Spirit, are you? He's, the Holy Spirit will never, it will never let you say that. You should, you should get up every day of your life as a believer who has a relationship with God through, through Christ as Savior and Holy Spirit as guide and Lord. You should have this, such a relationship that you cannot start the day without Him. You, you and I, who are believers are the most powerful people in this world. I'm not saying that arrogantly, it's the fact. We have the most powerful thing in existence right in here. Isn't that awesome? What on earth should we ever be afraid of? What should we ever shrink back from? And what on earth could we never say that, that we could ever say we can't do? Each one of us should go into this world and make disciples. 
challenge today, before the day's over, ask the Lord to show you one opportunity, one opportunity before you go to bed to speak truth into someone's life. Doesn't matter who it is, just somebody. And that you would recognize the opportunity. And when you recognize the opportunity, you're going to notice, okay, the Spirit of God just showed me this opportunity. I don't mean to create an opportunity for yourself. I'm saying just go about your day and let the Lord lead you. He's guaranteed to show. He's always there. I love you and the Lord loves you. And if you don't know what I'm talking about and you're not saved or you don't, you don't, you don't know anything about this Holy Spirit, then you should read the rest of Acts chapter 2 because it tells us what we've just been reading. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, and he is, then you should do those things. You should repent. Stop being a sinner. Stop living as if God doesn't exist and that he's not real. Stop living like Jesus is not the, the Messiah. It says to be baptized for the forgiveness of the sins. For the purpose of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that you too can go into the world and make disciples. That is what it's about. That's what we do. If you're needing to do that today, you should do it right now. We can, we can come, you can come up here and confess Christ. You can repent. We can baptize you. And from then on, you and the Spirit of God and the rest of the church, we start together growing in Christ. And we start making disciples. We're going to sing a song. If y'all are ready to sing, uh, I want you to stand together and, and do that. And if you have a decision to make, do that. If you're already a believer and you just want to be a part of the church, come down here and just say that. Say, hey, look, the Lord, Lord leading us over here. We want to serve with y'all. We love the Lord. We want to make disciples together. And we'll praise the Lord for that as well. You ready? Let's stand together and sing.